The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. On this episode, free agency reloaded. Defensive free agents. Bill's targets. I'm the columnist. I'm the analyst. And, and this, this is, is the Nick and Nolan Show. You ready? to the Nick and Nolan Show, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast with your host, Nick Bat. Sometimes I'll start a sentence and I don't even know where it's going. I just hope I find it along the way. And Bruce Nolan. I once worked with a guy for three years and never learned his name. Best friend I ever had. You're going to have to edit the shit out of that. Yeah, Bruce, Bruce is, uh, welcome everybody. Thank you so much for joining us for this edition of the Dick and Nolan Show. I'm Nick Bat. You can find me on Twitter at N-I-C-K-B-A-T. Along with me is a giggly. I'm Bruce Nolan. You can find me on Twitter at Bruce Exclusive. A giggly Bruce Nolan because we had a little bit of, uh, had a little bit of, I struggled a little, I forgot my line. I, I was yelling line and there was no one there delivering the line to me whenever we recorded the opening to this, uh, to this episode. Who's got the but, Rick and uh, Morty soundtrack now, huh, Nick? Who's got the Rick and yeah. Morty soundbite now, huh? Get your shit together. Get it all together and put it in a backpack. All your shit. So it's together. Yeah, you had mm. one job. Yeah, I knew that that, I knew that that soundbite when I saw it and I was putting it in. And then I was gonna attach it to you. I knew that that was gonna that was gonna burn just a little bit. It was Sound gonna sizzle just, sizzle just enough that if you had the opportunity, you were gonna definitely try to dish that back at me. So that's a mission accomplished. I'm I'm very pleased with that. I'm I'm pleased. So yeah, happy Friday, everybody. We we are one day closer to the weekend, which means that we are also one day closer to Bruce and Mai's guest spot on Sports Talk Saturday on WGR 550 in Buffalo. Now, if you don't, if you're not in Buffalo, if you're not close to Buffalo, you can download the radio.com app and you can stream the show. And that way you can still hang out with us on Saturday morning and afternoon from 11 to 2 Eastern time. If you are so interested and you want to call into the show and, and talk to Bruce or I or ask us a question or ask Nate a question, of course, it's his show and he's he's uh, being so gracious as to, as to have us on his guests, we would we would love to hear from you. And hopefully it, it's a great time. So we're, we're looking forward to it and we hope that you guys will join us. 
This pod today will be a little bit shorter than yesterday because, uh, number one, we're not going through all of the hot sauce, bar bill, Nick can't eat hot stuff bullshit that we did yesterday. And also, we don't have to go through all of the methodology for why Bruce is including guys or not including guys on his list. So today, that's about, you know, unbelievably, that was 10 minutes of our time was you busting my balls about the hot sauce or me defending myself because my balls were busted about this uh, this hot sauce stuff that we that we went into. So we, without further ado, Bruce, how, how many guys are on your list? Unless you have comments, I'm assuming maybe you have commentary that you want to share before we jump into the full conversation. First off, the ball busting about hot wings is absolutely worth it. And I think that our audience would agree that it was quality content. They really don't come here for our Bills stuff, Nick. They come here to bust on me for being antisocial and really uh, socially disinterested. And they bust on you for other things. And so everyone's got to have something. So, you know, just just steer into it, man. Just steer into the skid, you know, make it part of the brand. No, I'm not interested in that <laughs> being part of the brand. There's not that is not part of the brand. So we will we will we will go forward. How many defensive guys do you have? And are there any buckets that we're gonna go through today? I have eight defensive guys and a special teamer. Okay, so your ninth guy is a is a is a you know a, a special jack of all trade kind of guy again, right? Um, a utility guy. He's a special not a jack of all teamer. Trade. Let's just say that. I, all right. All right, for, we'll bury him till the end. Okay. How many buckets of defensive guys? Well, let me ask this. You have any pass rushers? I do have pass rushers. Do you want interior or exterior pass rushers? I'm thinking of edge guys. I say pass rusher. I'm talking about edge at the moment. I do have I do have some people on that list. In fact, I have um, quite a few defensive linemen. One, two, three, four, five defensive linemen on here. Wow. Okay. Okay. Uh, you have any corners? I do. I have three corners. Are they bucket? Are they combinable or are they individual sort of? Two of them are probably combinable. One of them is different. Okay. And then you've got a special teamer. So you got five, three, and one. Okay. Let's do the corners first. So let's talk about the one guy who's special first. All right. So I, on the offensive podcast, I talked about Brian Bulaga, and I said, if the Bills are going to go for somebody who's a little bit pricier, not like Amari Cooper pricey, but if they're going to go for someone who's a little pricier, Bulaga is the target. The biggest target of anyone I have on these lists is this player right here. It's Byron Jones from the Cowboys. If you want to be an elite defense, if you want to be special, go get me Byron Jones. He's young. He's talented. He's gifted. He can play in multiple schemes. He is an absolute lockdown corner. I think he's going to get paid 15 to $16 million a year. It's a, it's a real contract. This would be, this is hands down the biggest person on my list. I'm surprised you, I'm surprised you even are entertaining that dollar amount. Well, the biggest person on the list for corner is a lot different than Yannick and Gakway. I am not interested in trading a first and a second or the value for first and a second and giving Yannick and Gakway 20 million plus. It's too much for me because they got franchised. The Cowboys normally in a normal year, the Cowboys would not allow Byron Jones to get away. Unfortunately, the Cowboys have painted themselves in somewhat of a corner now with the franchise tag being probably going to be a Dak scenario again. 
because they can't negotiate with him. But good thing they signed their running back, though. Yay, Ezekiel Elliott signed. Too bad we can't sign Amari Cooper or Dak Prescott. But on a normal year, a player like Byron Jones doesn't get to free agency. You're seeing that now. You're seeing Yannick Ngakwe is going to get tagged. He doesn't want to get tagged. Doesn't matter. AJ Green doesn't want to get tagged. He's going to get tagged. Doesn't matter. Players who are this level of good don't make it to free agency. The only reason it's he's making it to free agency is because the Cowboys have kind of botched their ability to re-sign their players and reprioritize them in a completely bonkers way by giving Ezekiel Elliott six years and 96 million and letting Byron Jones walk out the door. So this is a unique circumstance. In addition, market rate for a corner is not the same as going out and getting Yannick Ngakwe. Yannick Ngakwe is going to be a one, a two, and 20 million a year. Byron Jones, 15 to $16 million a year. That's a lot different. That's not $4 million difference. That's four to $5 million every year, plus a first, plus a second. My appetite for one of those things is massively different than my appetite for another one. Do I think Byron Jones is going to be a Buffalo Bill? No. Do I think they'll even target him? No. But if I had one splash guy, I'd go with him. How does he, he's, he fits into our defense. I'm really, honestly, I'm not that familiar with Byron Jones. I don't follow the Cowboys that much, despite them, you know, on all their prime time and four o'clock games and stuff like that. He can do anything. He, is he a Everything. man cover? Is he his own cover? He can do What's it all. his deal? He can do it all. The, the, a lot of people are going to knock him for his, his lack of interceptions, but Darrell Rivas didn't have a lot of interceptions either. Uh, if you're judging a corner based on interceptions, I, I got something for you. It's just, it's nothing. I reached in my pocket. And I had something for you, and I pulled out a big fat ball of air because I got nothing for you. If you don't want to target a player because you're scared, if you don't want to target a player because he's got blanket coverage every time you look over there, then that's a good player. Tredavious White was a good player when he wasn't putting up six interceptions. He didn't stop being a good player when he didn't pick off the ball. Byron Jones is the same way. He can absolutely do everything you want. He can hedge against the possibility, God forbid, that Tredavious White doesn't come back to the Bills in two years because we got a fifth year option and all that stuff. But it's one of those scenarios where if I was going to, if you're asking me, Bruce, you can splurge on one free agent this offseason. I'm, I mean, you're going to be hard pressed to, to prime your way from either Byron Jones, Joe Thune, Brandon Scherf. Those are going to be my Thune and Scherf are guards and they're not on this list because I had to make one call for one splash player and it was Byron Jones. All right. Now, part of that, to be fair, to be fair, my bias, you know, I'm a defensive back guy, Nick, you know, this, this is well established by this point in our relationship. I value coverage almost more than anything aside from good quarterback play. And my biases are showing here, but if I got to pick a splash guy, I'm picking Byron Jones. Yeah. Okay. That's fine. The other two guys that you're looking at, are these kind of the, the caliber of a Kevin Johnson replacement sort of deal? One of them is Brian Poole. Brian Poole is a slot corner. Now, you might be asking, we need to upgrade CB2. Bruce, what are you doing? Guys, very low key. You know how much how excited I was about Taron Johnson coming in 2020. You remember that. Sorry, 2019. You remember how excited I was for Taron Johnson? Man, I was like, man, he's a monster. I love the way he throws himself. Taron Johnson didn't play very well in 2019. He wasn't an overly good player. Your third corner is more important than your third linebacker. I'm going to shout it from the rooftops. Your third corner is more important than your third linebacker. And we're spending all this time talking about replacing Zoe. Nobody's talking about the fact that we didn't really get great 
production from our nickel corners last year. And I don't think I trust Saran Neal to be a full-time nickel corner because he's he's a little bit more of a, a do-it-all guy. You don't want him match, matching up against Cole Beasley in the slot. You know, if you have a bigger slot player and you need a little force of physicality in the slot, or if you're playing somebody who's going to flex out tight ends or something, sure, yeah, let's go Saran Neal, you know, big nickel position. But Taron Johnson, in addition to not playing very well, he's gotten banged up a lot. And I want my third corner to not have to be Micah Hyde dropping into the slot all the time. That's my personal preference. Now, I know you can you can drop down at safety and you can backfill at safety better than you can backfill at corner because we have Jaquan Johnson, who I'm a fan of, behind him. We've got everyone's favorite guy, Dean Marlowe, on the back end. That's true. But I think third corner is important. Brian Poole played really well for the Falcons from 16 to 18. Then he was with the Jets, and it didn't really work out quite the way I wanted it to work out for the Jets because he just didn't play all that great. He was good. He was a good, reasonable corner, but it wasn't the same as it was with the Falcons from 16 to 18. And I think that there's something there where he could probably provide an upgrade, as much as I hate to say it because I love Taron Johnson, he could probably provide an upgrade for Taron Johnson in that slot role. You know, he's somebody who's still very young. He's still 27. And... It's a scenario where I, I just, it's a little bit like, it feels to me a little bit like Spencer Long. You know, when Spencer Long signed with the Jets, he was viewed as being a fairly significant, a fairly significant free agent signing for the Jets coming from Washington. And it just didn't work out. And they cut him a year later and people just kind of forgot about it. Now, Poole didn't sign a multi-year deal and get cut. He signed a one-year deal with the Jets, which is why he's an unrestricted free agent again. But I never really felt like his market really materialized the way I thought it should have when he came out of Atlanta. So that's my personal opinion. If I, I think there's an opportunity to upgrade slot corner here, and I think you do it through Brian Poole. Okay. Do you have a third corner? I do. JV and Elliott. Javian Elliott is a is competition on the back end of the roster. He's coming from Carolina, but it's not what you think. Okay, <laughs> so everyone's like to roll their eyes when they say, "Ah, oh, Javian Elliott, ah, oh, Carolina." Javian Elliott from Carolina is not the same as the other Carolina connection, and the reason it's not the same as the other Carolina connection is because Bean wasn't there when Javian Elliott got there. Javian Elliott got there in June of nineteen. He was previously a Tampa Bay Buccaneers guy, but. He's a back end of the roster player. This is a one year vet minimum kind of stuff. But I watched him at Florida State and he was an undrafted free agent with the Buccaneers. He doesn't have great size, right? He's a, he's a little light, 176 and he's five foot 11. So he's got decent height, but I think there's something there to develop. He's not going to come in and compete for meaningful playing time, but while we're on the subject of making sure we're reinforcing the cornerback position, I'd give, I'd give it a flyer. You know, what I find interesting about what you've just outlined is that you've listed a guy who is a for sure starter, a big money guy in, in Byron Jones, but you did not talk about anybody who was a potential CB2 who could potentially steal reps away from Levi Wallace if Kevin Johnson walks. Right. Because uh, Kevin Johnson was sort of that buy low, grab an injured guy, high athletic ceiling, all of that. 
And that paid off for us. You know, you have not given us anybody who fits that bill, which means that, you know, we may be looking to the draft, especially if Kevin Johnson walks, because you, you, you probably don't want to walk into camp with Levi Wallace as, you know, your surefire best bet CB2. I agree with you. And it is kind of weird, to be honest. It is very weird that I was scouring the list for this discussion and I just didn't, I didn't see anybody that really jumped out at me as yes, I see how it fits together in my head. Now that doesn't mean that there's not someone out there who we could sign and go, yeah, absolutely. CB two. It just didn't, you know, I, I looked through the list and I'm, I'm, I'm taking notes on these players and I am familiar with most of them and just none of it really clicked for me for, Oh, there's an obvious target for CB two. Like that didn't pop out to me. So I decided to go this route instead. Okay. Let us transition then to defensive line. Why don't we start with the interior guys? So, you know, assuming that Jordan Phillips is walking because he wants significant money and somebody out there is going to give it to him. The only, you know, potential situation where he comes back, I think everybody has settled into is if he tests the market, the market is significantly less than what he wanted or what he thought he was going to get. And the bills are in the ballpark as far as, you know, the dollar amount that everybody else is also offering him. Right. That's the only way that we're going to keep Jordan Phillips. So assuming that he's gone, we probably want a backup to Ed Oliver, right? We want a backup three technique defensive tackle, which is the defensive tackle that has the the responsibility of penetrating specifically on rundowns and to provide some interior pass rush, right? The one technique, which is Starla Tulele. And I think, you know, for the most part, Harrison Phillips, although he has a little bit of versatility is not expected to do the same thing in the passing or the pass rush, right? So you have some three tech guys. How many, how many interior defensive linemen are on your list? I have one, two, three, ironically enough, three interior defensive linemen on the list. Okay. Is there any guy that would be, you know, kind of quote unquote big money that, you know, not necessarily what Jordan Phillips is asking for, but, you know, more than the others, or are they all sort of in the same bunch? I think they're all in the same bunch. I think it'll be very interesting to see how the market develops between these three guys. I'm very, very interested to see how it develops because one of the interesting things is that backup defensive lineman on this team is almost a starting position because of the way that we rotate. Nobody plays 80% of the snaps in this team. Nobody. So this requires a different mindset than a backup quarterback or a backup right tackle or a backup center or a backup Mike linebacker because backup defensive tackles on this team play a lot more than those other positions I just mentioned. So you have to go get a higher quality of player. So I'm interested to see where this kind of falls because it's a weird middle ground. It's like, okay, I want a backup, but I don't want a backup who's going to be paying too much because otherwise they'd be a starter. So it's, it's kind of a weird scenario, but I've got three players. And I'm really interested to see how the, how the market develops for them. The first one is Jaron Reed, right? Jaron Reed is from Alabama. He was a, a big time player coming out of Alabama. He was, he fell all the way through to the back part of the second round and he went to Seattle. And there's an interesting parallel that I want to draw here with Jaron Reed. And that is what would happen to Jordan Phillips two years from now? And I'll tell you what I mean by that. So Jordan Phillips is on the bubble right now. He's 
about to hit free agency after the most productive statistical year of his career. After he gets paid, right? And he probably has what I'm expecting to be a regression year. What will be the opinion on him two years from now? Jaron Reed had 10 and a half sacks in 2018. And in 2019, he was suspended the first six games of the 19 season and didn't really get rolling as much as he wanted to in the back half of this year. So he is a full season removed from his most productive season. So that kind of just made me think about what Jordan Jordan Phillips's market would be after the bubble burst. You know what I mean? Can I can I can I stop you real quick? Sure. So I think what comes to mind for me on that is that's you you know you're comparing him to Jordan Phillips. To me that sounds like Trent Murphy. Now Trent Murphy got hurt. He didn't get suspended. Hmm. But you know you've got a guy who shows this significant production has a down year, whether it's because of suspension or, you know, uh, injury or something like that. And now you're bringing him in and you're hoping he's going to come back to form, right? And you're going to get him on the cheap as a result of his one bad year and all of that. You know, so you're talking about, you know, we, we kind of can look at two hypotheticals here. You could talk about bringing this guy in and seeing him return to his old form, or you could bring him in and you could see what I think a lot of fans are, are, are you know, Trent Murphy is a, is a common talking point, and often it's not for good reason. It's not because people are celebrating his play. They're they're talking about him, and it's because fans are a little, you know, we wish we were getting more out of him, you know, especially yeah. considering the money. A reasonable contract. Everyone will say it's reasonable, but it's it's on the rich end of reasonable. You know, it's it's borderline, you know, we were going to get more out of you. That's, you know, it's kind of like the, the contract that – you, you would imagine guys like uh, Jordan Poyer or Micah Hyde should have, you know, they're yeah. both underpaid right now because they, but this is a, you know, I, I think that that's where my mind goes. You know, you're, I just think that's interesting because you can think about it with players that we're very familiar with on both ends of the story with, with Jordan Phillips and leaving and, you know, what's going to happen to him. I'm not wishing anything bad on him in 2020, wherever he plays that he wouldn't play or something like that. But if he did have a down year and then you think about 2021 and what's going to happen next, you know, uh, that's what it sounds like. This guy is, is sort of, uh, he's coming out of. Yeah, I would agree with that. And, you know, every single one of these free agents is free agents for a reason. You know what I mean? And the question is, how do I get good value? And we talked about that on the last pod. We talked about how you get good value. And one of the ways you do that is you buy low on people right? And you hope that they bounce back. And this is an opportunity for the Bills to possibly do that. You know, if he was coming off out of his 10 and a half sack season, his market would be different. And it's actually a little bit interesting transition to the next guy we're going to talk about, which is Vernon Butler from, you read it, Carolina Panthers. So the interesting thing for Vernon Butler is that his breakout year came this year, but there's questions as to why Vernon Butler was a high pick from the old regime where Brandon Bean was part of. And he had basically been a disappointment up into this year. Now, you and I have talked about defensive tackles is not a quickly developing position. We've talked about that. But in addition to that, Carolina switched schemes this year. They switched to a 3-4 scheme. So the question for him is, why did he break out? Did he break out because they switched schemes? Or was he going to break out anyway because he came from Louisiana Tech? 
and it took him a couple years to figure his stuff out. I don't know, but I'll tell you who's got a pretty good idea about that. Probably Brandon Bean. So Vernon Butler is really interesting for me, not just because of the Carolina connection, because the question is why, why did he break out? Why was that a thing? I mean, it's one of those scenarios where if we're able to catch him on the upswing, ascending player, that's awesome. But if the only reason he broke out was because he's actually supposed to be a five tech in a three, four defensive scheme instead of a three tech and a four, three, then we're setting him up to fail by putting him in a scheme. He's not good at. I'm really, really interested to see. I think I'll level with you. I don't, I didn't look at Vernon Butler when he came out and thought he was, thought he was a five tech. I thought, yeah, absolutely. He can be a three tech. He can totally be a three tech. Now he's big for a three tech, you know, he's six, four, three thirty one. He was big for a three-tech, but I saw enough from him when he was coming out of college that I thought, wow, you know, I, I think he can, I think he can do that. He had that. He had the power. I mean, it was 26 bench press reps. I think it was a 1.87, 10 yard split, which we've talked about crazy long arms, 35 and an eighth inch, eighth inch long arms, right? Now you might look at that and go, clearly he's a five-tech, but I thought he could do it. Maybe I was wrong and he's actually a five tech. And if we put him into back into his old role, he wouldn't shine like he did, but I'm interested. And I'm especially interested because Brandon Bean had him before. I have a question on this. So with, with him potentially being, you know, a five tech, maybe he probably has an opinion about this, right? Like him. He does. I bet you he does. They, they probably have a firm opinion about what he needs, if he needs anything at his next stop. Now, for a defensive tackle, considering that the 3-4, now a, a lot of defenses are multiple and there's multiple fronts and all that, but you know, considering a 3-4 is a little bit less common than a 4-3, does that mean that you know even if he thinks that's where he would be best, he is going to have limited options and thus he might wind up having to go somewhere that he wouldn't otherwise want to, to play in a scheme that is, he knows isn't his ideal fit just because the opportunity to go to a three, four team for reasonable money that he deserves. Isn't there? Yes, that is reasonable. There is a question. It's in his best interest to answer the question. I can do whatever you tell me to do. Because that's going to open the market. When you open the market, you get more teams bidding for you. When you get more teams bidding for you, drive up the price. That's the way that works. And so absolutely, it's it's something to think about. But here's the thing. K1 Short and Dontari Bow both got hurt. Was he going to show this anyway? Or did he only show this because the stars just happened to align perfectly with him being a late bloomer and being in a scheme that is maybe better for him as a three, four, five tech and the people in front of him got hurt. You know what I mean? Like there's, there's a lot of things. I think this is fairly risky, but the reason I have it on there is because B knows him from when he drafted him and he didn't, he didn't get drafted to be a three, four, five tech. He didn't get drafted to be a defensive end in a three, four. He got drafted to be a, a defensive tackle in a four, three. So we'll see. We'll see how this works. It is in his best interest to be able to say, yeah, I can play in a 4-3, but it mightn't be in his long-term best interest to get into a 3-4. Okay. So who is the last guy? 
Malik Collins, defensive tackle, Dallas Cowboys. They just, they just can't pay him because of the reasons we talked about with Byron Jones. They, they just they just can't pay him. But I think he's a good player. I actually think that there's a chance he gets the biggest contract out of anybody on this list. I think there's a possibility that that's the case. I really do. It's a scenario where the Dallas just has to make, they just have to make calls. They have to make decisions on what they're going to do. It's that simple. They have to let good players go. And Malik Collins is a good player. He's not an amazing player. I mean, he was he was drafted, goodness gracious, he was a third-round pick, I think, out of Nebraska? Yeah, he was a third-round pick out of Nebraska, and I'm going from memory on that. And the, the Cowboys brought him in, and he was, you know, a backup. He was third, fourth-string guy, and he just kind of worked his way up as people kind of fell off. And now he had foot injury in 18, 2018, but he came back in 19 and had a decent, a decent campaign. I thought he played well. And I think he's a potentially a starting to rotational starting defensive tackle in this league. In addition, there are some schematic similarities between the simplicity of the Cowboys defense and the simplicity of the Bills defense on the front side. It's not crazy complicated. So I think that there is some translatable stuff for Malik Collins. Oh, that sounds like a sweet spot. I'm you've sold me on him. I'm, I'm he's probably the one I'm most interested in of the guys you've uh, you've you've outlined. So and the the Cowboys they they just drafted Tristan Hill in the second round to take his spot. Th- there was no chance that Malik was going to come back. You know they already have his replacement on the roster. So it's just one of those people where he might just be a victim of bad circumstance. So I would give it a shot. Okay, let us go to the outside. Right. So now we've got. We said three corners. We did three defensive tackles. You've got two edges and one special teamer. I do. Okay. So the two edges, why don't we go ahead and are we going to go one by one or can we list them and kind of talk about them both? I'll list them. Shelby Harris from Denver and Steven Weatherly from Minnesota. Of these two, I think Shelby Harris will get a bigger contract, but they both have versatility, which I really like. Shelby Harris, ironically enough, was a nose tackle. This is how weird this scenario is, right? So he was a seventh round pick, late round, like developmental guy. He had all the tools, but he kind of bounced around a little bit. They tried him at nose tackle in Denver, and that was a disaster. Then they moved him to defensive end. He's huge for defensive end, but for somehow it just it just kind of worked. And he's he's really big. So you know when I it's funny when when I when I looked at AJ Epinesa uh, running, and I saw you know a a really big guy at 275 pounds, you know, running a five one in the 40. I thought to myself, well, whatever team takes him is clearly not going to have a problem with Shelby Harris. That's what I thought of when I looked at him because, you know, Shelby Harris is, you know, six two two ninety. You know, he's a big dude and that's really big for being on the edge, but he has the power. There's got to be a soundbite associated with that. There has to be a soundbite for he has the power. If you haven't yeah. already heard a soundbite for he has the power, then shame on you, Nick, for not having no, a soundbite for that. I, I, I think I can take care of it. He sa- I mean, I would be worried as to whether or not he has any speed rush. He sounds like a great run defender. He can set the edge just by taking a step forward. You know what I mean? Yeah. But how is his how's his pass rush as far as the speed stuff? 
he's got 14 sacks in his career. It's not like he can't do it. You know, it's not like he can't do it. It's one of those scenarios where, you know, Shelby Harris had six sacks last year. That's not crazy for a rotational defensive. I mean, for to say Shaq Lawson had six and a half. So it's kind of a weird scenario. But again, when you're trying to find good value in free agency, you got to be a little creative sometimes. You got to buy low on some people, maybe some people who couldn't, you know, couldn't really get, couldn't really get traction where they were or they got hurt or, or things like that. And Shelby Harris is in a weird scenario and the Broncos <laughs> are in a weird scenario because the Broncos just as of the time of this recording just traded for AJ Bouye, which means they're probably going to let Chris Harris walk and they've got their own negotiations to go. Um, Wolf from for a defensive tackle, defensive lineman for them. Wolf is really their priority. The guy they drafted out of Cincinnati is really their priority. He might not be able to resign both of them, which means Harris might get away. And he finally found a home at, he finally found a home at defensive end. And I know it's weird, but he kind of did. Yeah. I just imagine seeing Jerry Hughes, which is, you know, a guy who's somewhat undersized on one end of the line. Uh, you've got Ed Oliver, who's undersized on the same defensive line. And then you've got this absolute giant at the other end. If he were to run with those guys in that particular rotation, it'd be it'd be almost comical. Yeah, it's weird because he's also not very tall. So he's got this weird I mean, six foot two is, you know, it's, it's a little bit taller than me, but it's not like ridiculously tall for a defensive lineman. You know, it's he's got this weird. He looks like a three tech playing. Defensive end. It's just a weird thing to see. But you know what? It worked for him. And maybe there's something there. And I'd rather try and take a chance on him as an ascending player. And also, mind you, he went to Illinois State, so he's a Redbird. So I'm a fan because I have a I have a little a little crush for Illinois State. Okay. What about the next guy? The next guy, Stephen Weatherly. Again, we're, you're going to see a lot of the same themes. Stephen Weatherly is somebody who previously played behind two really, 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 really good players in Minnesota. I mean, for goodness sake, you're not going to get a ton of opportunity to play if Donnell Hunter is the guy playing in front of you. You know what I mean? It's not a scenario where you're going to get a lot of of opportunity, but he's got the frame. He's still young. He's 6'5", 265. It's absolutely perfect frame. You know, he got three sacks in 18, three sacks in 19. And if you're stuck behind two really good players, that doesn't mean you're not a good player. You're probably not as good as them, which is, which is fine. That's, that's to be expected. I'm not expecting to come in and be Danelle Hunter. You know what I mean? But I think that if you're looking for somebody to come in, you, you, maybe you, you don't get a hold of Shaq Lawson. Okay. He gets away from you. And you don't want to go into the draft absolutely needing to take a rusher high. You have to. You don't have a choice. You just flat out have to do it. Then maybe you bring in someone like him, you plug the hole, and then if if good player falls to you, if you get the good value, then okay, so be it. But you don't want to be forced to do it. You don't want to say, well, we have to because we just have to. And if you have a player who had Everson Griffin and Donnell Hunter playing in front of him, maybe there's something there. Would you be confident that both of these guys could start over Trent Murphy? No. 
I am confident a lot more in Shelby Harris than I am in in Stephen Weatherly. I think if Shelby Harris comes in, he can start over Trent Murphy. Okay, but if if Weatherly comes in, I'd let him I'd let him take a shot shot at it, right? But I'm not confident he would come in and start over Trent Murphy right away. No, he, he's, it, there's still an experience there, and Trent Murphy, for everything that he is, is a savvy veteran. Where's the Where's the love for Bud Dupree? Why no Bud Dupree love? Well, because I'm not as much of a fan as him as you are. I I like Bud Dupree, but but Bud Dupree as an outside rusher who just broke out with the market being kind of inflated by Yannick Ngakwe getting tagged. I, I worry about you, that tag. You think he's really going to, you think he's really going to get paid then? That's what it comes down to. Cause I've had this conversation with other people too on Twitter. Like people yeah. think that he's going to get, you know, 12 to 13 million a year. And I'm like, I think he's going to get seven and a half to eight, you know, maybe. Yeah. Maybe, I, I think, he'll, I think he'll get double digits. I do. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, I get that, that kind of, that kind of scuttles even my own interest, but I would love to get Bud Dupree on a, on a bargain. I think he's uh, I, th- I love his versatility and I, I just, I would be really interested, but okay, that's fine. It's uh, I understand where you are coming from here. Let's do your special teamer. Lack Edwards, punter, New York Jets. <laughs> we just signed a guy from the Jets who was a kicker punter. No, we signed Kari Vedvik from the Vikings. Oh, Vedvik, Vedvik. I got him yes. mixed up with that guy, the the with the the two A's in his name, uh, who who the Jets cut right after he blew the game against us. Who was that? Was was that Kari Vedvik? Yeah, that was Kari Vedvik. Wow. Yeah, he was with the Jets, wasn't he? Yeah, we he got cut because he blew the game against us. Well, that's that's the guy circle, we did the, sign, it's cir- but it's the it's the circle of life, Bruce. It's the, it's the circle, circle of life. So it's not Kari Vedvik. It's the punter for the Jets, who was actually markedly better than our punter last year. And I I am, just so you know, I'm on board with drafting a punter in the fifth round with all the picks we've got. I'm on board with it. I totally am. I went on record with Joe Marino and, and, and talked about numerically the effect of a, having a terrible punter versus having a good punter. And it's, you know, it's somewhere between four and seven yards every single drive of average field position. And that's fairly notable when you talk about the effect that has on opposing offenses versus the effect it has on your offense and so on and so forth as that four to seven yards, every single drive, right? That adds up over the course of a game and over the course of a season. And if you can spend one pick and not have to worry about it for the next five years, decade, maybe if you resign them, something like that, shh, sign me up. But I don't want to have to pick a punter. There's something about reaching for a specialist in the draft that just makes my skin crawl. It brings me, you know, Roberto Aguayo sort of vibes for the Buccaneers fans who are listening to this pod because I know Buccaneers fans flock to the Nick and Nolan show. But it's one of those scenarios <laughs> where <laughs> I was just going to keep going as if nothing of that has ever happened. <laughs> so I don't want to have to. It's like Bean says, if you go into the draft with an absolutely massive need, you get desperate and you start making mistakes. I don't want it to be Corey Bajorquez next year. I'm not okay with it. Bring in a puncher I know can do the job. Draft somebody. Let him fight it out. Let's do it. 
All right. I want to punt a Palooza. I want to punt a Palooza again. I had so much fun with it the first time. This time, I don't want Corey versus Kari Puntapalooza. I want Lack versus Burke Puntapalooza. All right. Well, with that, we will wrap it up and we will say see you tomorrow. Uh, it is Friday. This is the end of the Buffalo Rumblings editions of Nick and Nolan, but we will be on WGR 550 from 11 a.m. until 2 p.m. with our gracious host, Nate Geary. And we hope to... You know, get some interaction with from you guys uh, one way or another. You know, I guess you could probably tweet at us during the show. I don't know if we're going to, I mean, we'll probably be looking at our phones a little bit, but, you know, we'd love to hear from you. Feel free to call in if you're interested. And uh, as always, we'd love to hear from you via iTunes or Stitcher. If you go to this Stitcher website on a an actual desktop or a laptop computer, you can look up Buffalo Rumblings and scroll down and you can leave us a review there, whether or not you have any kind of Apple device. So you don't, we are no longer beholden to only iTunes for reviews so thanks so much for listening everybody thank you for uh, joining us we hope you enjoy the nick and nolan podcast also do let us know what you think of the quality again bruce and i recording this week uh, from separate locations using some new technology hopefully it is up to par uh, for what you guys expect from us and if not please let us know if so please let us know and until we talk to you tomorrow as you're dealing with the anticipation of us being on sports talk saturday with nate Just stay calm and remember this. I do the cha-cha like a sissy girl. I like a do the cha-cha.